0: Tonight is study number eight, and we're going to be reading from verse one, Luke 18, verse one, and he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. There was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary, and he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge saith. And we've been taking some time to carefully consider what the unjust judge saying, was saying, and, and we've seen how God is setting up that whole situation. Here is a man, the last man, a child of God would want to go to, the last person. He doesn't fear God. He has no regard for the cause of the widow, God's elect. Uh, He he uh, just is not a good man. He's an unjust judge. Yet, the point is, that, that the Lord Jesus is, uh, getting across through the parable is that the, the widow kept coming. By her continual coming, she weary me. Well, in our last study, we went over to Luke 11 and we saw in Luke 11 that there's another parable concerning a man who comes to his friend at midnight and he is desirous to uh, borrow some loaves of bread. And and we saw that there are similarities between this parable in Luke 11 and the parable we're going verse by verse through in Luke 18. The number one similarity is that both are uh, set in the context of Judgment Day. As a matter of fact, here in Luke 11, if we go to verse 1, it says, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And Jesus proceeded to do just that, to teach them to pray. In verses 2 through 4, he gives the Lord's Prayer. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. So Jesus has now taught them how to pray. This is a form and, and we've learned much God's people have in looking at the Lord's Prayer and learning how we are to approach God in, in prayer. And also we've learned that the Lord's Prayer is a prayer. It's a petition for salvation especially when it says lead us not into uh, verse 4 forgive us our sins lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil the evil day judgment day and and it's only through forgiveness of sins salvation that we're delivered from evil and and so this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, was, uh, wonderful. It, it was, uh, beautiful. It had tremendous application all through history up until May 21, 2011, when the Day of Salvation concluded. And, and, and so this prayer is a prayer ...for the time when God is still saving. Because there's petitions within it, ...forgive us our sins. Can we pray today? Can a sinner go to God and say, ...oh Lord, forgive me my sin? And what do we know that the Bible says? God is not forgiving sins today. Can someone go to God today and say, ...Father, um, lead me not into temptation... But deliver me from evil. And, and yet here we are in the day of temptation of extreme trial and testing. And we are in the day of evil, the day of judgment. So the petitions of the Lord's prayer do not apply. Of course, we can still pray that prayer as, and we just um, also pray, Oh Lord, I know. That if it would require for you to forgive me my sins that you had already done so prior to shutting the door of heaven on May 21, 2011 and so forth. So yes, but it would require that we, uh, we update it as we pray to God. And, and yet God realizing that has given two prayers here in Luke 11. It, as Jesus is teaching the disciples to pray in answer uh, to their request. He gives two prayers. One prayer is for the Day of Salvation, which was uh, um, a very great uh, time period. It lasted for centuries and for many, many years. So the Lord's Prayer had tremendous application down through history. But then in verse 5, Jesus is continuing to teach the disciples to pray. However, this prayer is a prayer especially designed by God for Judgment Day. It's the prayer to instruct the people of God how to pray, how to approach God in the time when the door is shut, And we know God shut the door on May 21, 2011. And let's see how this is here in Luke 11, beginning in verse 5. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. And the word loaves is the same as bread that's back in verse 3. Uh, Give us day by day our daily bread. Uh, So, He's requesting bread. Friend, lend me three breads. Of course, they're loaves of bread, so three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. And... Right here, we, we can recognize this is the language of judgment day. The friend who would be uh, picturing God, the one within the house or within the kingdom of heaven, is in bed with his children and the children would typify all those that God has saved. All safe and sound, all within the door. And the door is shut. God, typified by this man, cannot rise and give. And so at this point, it matches all that we read in the Bible. Um, there's a great gulf fixed when there's a request for a drop of water. You you cannot bring the water. Or men will seek death and not be able to find it. It's the language of inability. But, it goes on to say in verse 8, I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. Now, we've gone through this parable before in eBible Fellowship, and we've seen how it's not teaching salvation at all. The request for bread is someone is making it to his friend for other friends uh, or friend in his journey. That is, uh, I would like bread from you, this man who represents God, please give me three loaves and number three is pointing to the purpose of God concerning prayer, concerning God's program in the Day of Judgment for coming to Him, approaching Him in prayer, and what we are to request. So I would like three loaves of bread, that is, O oh Lord, break to me the the truth of the Word of God, break to me the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the bread of life, and and so I may have to give to my friend, that is, to feed my friend. And we know the door shut on May 21, 2011 at the end of the Great Tribulation period after God saved a great multitude of people. We also know from John 21 that after a great catch of fish came in, that the Lord had a conversation with Peter, Peter typifying the elect, just like this friend is coming to the man's house who's in bed with his children is typifying the elect. And Jesus asked Peter three times, again, in John 21, 3, to indicate God's purpose, his program, for the period of, of, of time after the tribulation, those days after that tribulation, what are the people of God going to be doing? And Jesus says to Peter, Peter, lovest thou me? And and how many times did Jesus ask that? Three, and Peter responds, "Yea, Lord, they'll know us. I love Thee." How many times did Peter respond? Three, and then Jesus returns, "Feed my sheep." How many times did Jesus say that? Three, three sets of three, indicating the purpose of God for judgment day is feed the sheep, feed the sheep, feed the sheep. It it is your task, it is what you should be doing. So this man in Luke 11 is coming to God, he's typifying the elect, requesting bread. And bread is for his friend on a journey. And in other words, it's for a sheep. And he's coming to God to learn from the word of God in order to have to give his friend. Exactly what Jesus said Peter should be doing, feeding the sheep. It's a parallel idea, even though this is speaking of feeding a person. Well, who are the sheep? The sheep are people. It's a parabolic statement, just like Jesus is the lamb of God, the elect are the sheep and they're fed through the word of God. So this matches up perfectly with what Jesus told Peter. And and yet yet the man is in bed and the door is shut and his children are with him and he says I cannot rise and give thee. When the request comes for bread and God has the man make this statement and the man um be inactive, he he does not respond to the request of his friend for bread, because it's the wrong time, it's the wrong time, and God wants us to know that, it's the wrong time, isn't it, for a man to go to his friend's house, we even know this today, in this uh, incredibly wicked world, in our evil day, and it is a, a Evil time that we live in. It's still considered inappropriate for people to go to their friend's house late at night. Late at night, midnight, uh, just, just late at night when you know they're in bed, you know their door is locked, you know their, their lights are out, they, the day is done. The day is over. It is night time, and the man, your friend, is in bed. It, his house is all locked up and secure, and it is not the correct time to come. It, it is an improper time. Even today, we understand that. Uh, it's not polite. It's, it's kind of rude. And if you had a friend that did that, you, you would be very annoyed with him. And disturbed that he would dare, he would dare to come at that time. And of course we would think, well, what, and say to him, if you needed bread, why didn't you come earlier? What are you doing knocking at the door? It's after midnight and you're, you're disturbing the neighbors. Uh, my kids are asleep. We're all in bed and you know, you have to get changed and and you brush your teeth, you take off your shoes and socks and, and you're lying in bed. You're just getting comfortable resting from a long day. And here comes the knocking and here comes your friend crying outside the door. Friend, friend, I need three loaves. I need three loaves. And so it's a normal reaction. It, of course, it's a parable, but uh, it, it's certainly a normal reaction for him to say from within an answer. Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. And we might say, I will not rise and give thee, and, and tell them to go away, go away. And that's exactly the idea. Because of the time. The time is wrong. The time is not correct. It's improper. It shouldn't be. The time to come for bread is during the day. Isn't it? It's during the day. It's during the day of salvation. It's during the time when the light is shining forth into the world, when the door of the house of the kingdom of heaven is open, that's the time to come for bread. Not when all the children have been gathered and brought in, and everything is secured and locked, and and the door is shut, and the night has come. It, It is just... Um, completely wrong. Everything this friend is doing is wrong. And and so uh, the friend inside the home, inside the house is letting him know that. You're troubling me. You're troubling me. You shouldn't do this. And God is letting us know. I mean, just think about it. When we pray to God today, and remember this is All within the instruction, this is the response Jesus is giving the disciples, teach us to pray. Well, when we pray to God today, we are not approaching God as people have in time past throughout history, when they would approach him in the day of salvation. They would come to God and they would make their request and they could beseech Him and, and, and they knew the door is open and, and even right up until the very end, especially at that little season of great tribulation that brought us to the end, the door was so wide open that God was saving a great multitude. That's the time to come. That's the, the perfect time to come. That's the time you come to the house for bread. And and then of course you need three loaves. Here you are. Here's what you need. And and, and we know God did answer many prayers of the saints. He answered the the cries of his people all through time, all through history. And they came at the appropriate time. They sought the Lord while he may be found. And and so God was pleased. God was well pleased that, that uh, individuals were coming unto him. Of course, the only ones coming to him were those being drawn by him, by God himself, coming in a right way. And that was all part of God's plan. God still considered it was they coming to him even though he was moving within them to will and do that but now it's it's a completely different time you know we're living in a different time people they they confuse the two they hear that god has shut the door that there's no more salvation and they say it's not fair it it's not just it's not right It's not a good thing. God wouldn't be loving if he would do that. And and yet, you could ask these same people, well, in the day of judgment, in the day of wrath, when God is punishing people, would would it be unfair for him not to save them when he's punishing them? Would it be unjust of God to stop his salvation program as he's pouring out his wrath? Well, of course not. That's judgment day. You see, they don't understand. May 21, 2011 was the beginning of judgment day, and we've been living in the day of judgment ever since. This is the time of the furious outpouring of the wrath of God. This is the day of punishment. God is punishing the wicked people of the world. And That's why the door is shut. And the daylight of the day of salvation is gone. It's night time. Christ has come as a thief in the night. It is judgment day. There's no more children outside the kingdom. They're all within. And, And that's why it is nothing short of amazing. It is amazing that God, number one, permits prayer in the day of judgment. He wouldn't have to do that. And if you think back to our previous understanding of what God would do in the day of judgment, allowing people to come to him, beseeching him and crying out to him and making requests of him was never part of our understanding of the end time scenario of judgment day. But here we are in Judgment Day, and God could just maintain this statement of Luke eleven seven: "Trouble me not. The door is now shut. I cannot rise and give thee." And that's it. That's it. And no, no leeway. Um, it, it's just like a brick wall. Judgment without mercy. And there is no more salvation. There is no prayer that can get beyond this boundary, this gulf that was fixed on May 21, 2011. But yet God has his elect living on the earth, and so he is making an allowance. He is making an allowance, even though it's not the time. It's not the proper time to come to him. It's a time that people should be in their own homes. They, they they, should not be disturbing their neighbors. But here it says in verse 8 of Luke 11, I say unto you, Though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. Now the uh, English word importunity is only translated. It's only found here in the whole Bible, and we, we don't find this word anywhere else. It's a word that's made up of two different Greek words, and and the Greek words are well. First of all, importunity is Strong's number three thirty-five, and it it's a compound word that is made up of a word that means reverence, where it's translated once as reverence and once as shamefacedness. It's translated as reverence in Hebrews 12 and verse 28. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence, and godly fear. So that's the one word, and also shamefacedness in First Timothy 2.9, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness. That's the same word translated as reverence and sobriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. So it's it and that's the only two places Strong's one twenty seven reverence, shamefacedness, are found in the New Testament. And so the the word importunity is that word, plus um, it's negated by the Greek alpha prefix, which means no reverence, not shamefaced. That would actually be the literal meaning of importunity, no reverence, not shame-faced, not, not sh- uh, shamed, I suppose we could say, even though it's not that word. And, and so we can see, though, what that means. The man is bold. He's a bold individual, this friend. Uh, he has a concern for his friend that's on a journey that he received the bread. He, he desires bread for him. And he knows that this other friend is the one who has the bread. He himself has no bread, no loaves. So he needs to go to this man. And he knows it's late, but the man's on a journey. That is, he's going on his way. And, and so he needs the bread now. It, it, there's an urgency about the bread it's not something that can wait. You just can't wait until tomorrow, until the day. Everything has to happen tonight. It must happen now, or the poor soul on his journey will not have bread. And so, this man comes to his friend's house without shame. He comes without reverence and a sense of, the time of day of the fact the door shut and so forth and makes request. He makes request in a bold manner to his friend, but it's not for himself. It's for the one on the journey. And, and God says that's the reason why his request was granted because it says again in verse eight, Yet because of his importunity, his lack of reverence and his uh, no shamefacedness manner, because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. So in a way, God is, and he's instructing us because Jesus is teaching us how to pray in the day of judgment to come when you should not come. To approach God when you should not approach. To make request of God of things you should not make request of because of the time that it is. Because the door is shut. Because it is night. Thanks for joining us for Bible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies.